Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Get off my lawn. If I remember a time that I got a birthday card that had $5 in it, my mom wasn't home, and I took that $5 and I took my friends to the drugstore where you used to get like sodas and candies and all kinds of stuff, and I spent that five bucks and it was great. That's really a stretch. You know, on a day. Hey, old timer! Hey, old timer! <laughs> Pete is dead to me. <laughs> the worst that he the worst thing you can be is dead to me pete you're gonna find out what that's all about coming up over the course of oh i don't know for the rest of the time that we're working together oh jeez, uh, here yeah. we go uh, don don of all the days to have an old timer comment that wasn't even coincidental either like that was already pre-planned so you're dead he's you. dead to you and you're old to him and now you guys can kiss and make up and get it over with come on I, I'm telling you, in the the, t- the town I grew up in, and every town had this back in the 70s. You had a, you had a drugstore that you went to. It was a little pharmacy. It's a little shop, and they had a soda counter. Yeah, and uh, you'd go and you get milkshakes and stuff, and that's just kind of the way it was. Right. And that, that that was the whole story. But I don't know how the how that e- was even. I can't even remember the context. I don't know of, either. I think it was burning through salary cap but money or something like that. It sounded you spend it. You, you have it. Like, you spend it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. That's what it was. It was like uh, you, you sounded like my my you know my old grandmother. Uh, well, of course she's old. She's my grandmother, but she's she's not with us anymore. She's dead. But Nani, that that was like some of my favorite stories. Nani, which is my mom's mom, right? You know, grew up in the depression, did all those things, right? Did did you have these stories where like she'd take me to the movies, right? And, you know, she'd go, hey, go get yourself some Coke and popcorn and some candy. And she'd give me a dollar. And you'd be like, Nani, I, I, I can only buy the Coke with a dollar. <laughs> what? You know, what? How much does popcorn cost? And, you know, okay, 250 whatever, you know. Yeah, the candy bar costs 250 too. Like, those are some of my greatest memories of uh, my Nani right there. Just the, like the total, like, lack of realizing what the world and the economy had come it still makes me laugh thinking about it the the greatest generation was not uh well informed when it came to the concept of inflation (laughs) i I will i will agree with you there completely Uh, anyone who follows the nfl is well aware of the concept of inflation because every year except this year the dollars go up this year because of the pandemic the salary cap was roughly 25 million less than it would have been but for those issues and that has been the backdrop for every contract that has been negotiated over the course of the past several weeks. Now comes the news, courtesy of Mike Silver of NFL Media, who also went to Cal, just like Aaron Rodgers. I'm not speculating on who his source is. Well, he always knows out. he always knows Jared Goff and Aaron Rodgers news. I'll I, say that. I'm <laughs> just pointing out they both went to Cal. That's yeah. all I'm saying. But uh Silver reports, not with Rodgers as his source, that that uh the Packers are working on restructuring 
Aaron Rodgers' contract to create cap space. Now, there was another report out there pointing out that the Packers already have, and this is a fairly common tool, you have the ability baked into the existing contract to do a simple restructuring whenever you want, where you take the total compensation for the year, reduce it to the minimum salary, turn the rest into a signing bonus, and it gives you a smaller cap number. You no longer need in some of these contracts the permission of the player to do it. Not that there's any reason for the player to say no. The player's getting all of his money right now. Right. It's all in hand right now. But if the player wants to be a jerk, you know, what's in it for me? The player can be and say, well, what's in it for me? Well, you want it helps you. What does it do for me? Well, maybe I want something more. And the fact that there's even a negotiation suggests that it is something more than just creating cap space by moving money around. So that's what's fascinating to me, Chris, because yeah. I was told back in that window after the NFC Championship lost to the Bucks, right. he wants a new contract, not because he wants new money, but he wants a contract that is structured in a way that makes it clear that the Packers are tied to him. You know, these contracts are always one way at a minimum where the player's tied to the team, and after you get through the early years of the contract and the guarantees go away, the team can rip it up whenever they want, and the Packers are now in a year-to-year arrangement. I think Aaron Rodgers wants and deserves more than a year-to-year arrangement, and this may be the framework for getting that done. Yeah, this is where I, you know, I, I, I mean, I hear everything you're saying. I, I just is is this about that, right? And and you know, Rodgers getting yes, uh, you know, a little bit more security here to go like, okay, wait, I'm still one of the best players in the league, uh, if not like number two, only behind, you know, number 15 at Kansas City. Why don't I have a little bit more of a a team that's, you know, giving me a future here? I understand that thought completely. I do. I also sit here and think, Mike, I don't know. I mean, you know, they're what, where are they sitting right now? A little more than $3 million under, you know, under the the salary cap number as far as, uh, you know, the penalty, whatever it may, I'm blanking on the way to phrase that. But, you know, uh, are they are they doing this to make a move here too? That's the other thing I think about. You know, is there is there something that we're not seeing? Is a T.Y. Hilton on their radar, and they just want to have a little extra money to get a guy like, like I don't think it's going to take a ton of money. We're seeing what the wide receivers are going for. You know, guys like A.J. Green, T.Y. Hilton. I mean, I think a lot of them are going to be one year underwhelming type deals. Are they looking to make a move to help out the team, the offense, Rodgers? Or is this simply something about they're looking at, you know, down the line trying to figure out their team? I don't know, but that's what's crossed it, my mind. It, it may not be about salary cap right. at all. Right. It, 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 that, that may be the way that Rodgers told it to Silver if Rodgers was Silver's source because Rodgers does not want to be characterized in a negative light by anyone. It's almost an obsession with him. And when you look at the way Russell Wilson has been aggressive with the Seahawks this year— The way that Deshaun Watson had been aggressive with the Texans a week ago and prior to that, before everything changed with Deshaun Watson, this desire to never be characterized in a negative light by anyone, and specifically not by Packers fans. I mean, I can understand it because he witnessed the venom that ultimately was directed at Brett Favre when it was clear that the Packers wanted to move on from Favre to Rodgers. The Packers fans got mad that Favre ultimately didn't go along with that plan and walk off into the sunset when the Packers didn't want him playing for them anymore. So I think that's part of it. He doesn't want to be perceived as greedy. He doesn't want to be perceived as rocking the boat. But look, I'm looking at his contract right now. His average salary is $33.5 million. You know who's making $33.5 million per year? Jared Goff. And Carson Wentz. Yeah, right. Negative ghost rider, that, that doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah, what? That, forget, forget about Mahomes and Dak and anyone else. When, when, when Aaron Rodgers, the MVP of the National Football League in 2020, is making the same as one guy who was in the middle of a storm of dysfunction in Philly, right? and but for the Colts, there wouldn't have been any other team that wanted him to take on that contract, frankly, at this point. And Jared Goff, who was who was hidden in the Matthew Stafford contract to conceal the fact that it was a Brock Osweiler hot potato move to give the Lions net draft assets to take Goff off the roster, 
That those two guys are making the same as Aaron Rodgers, and Rodgers is smart enough to look at that and say something's wrong with this picture, and something is wrong with that picture. Sure. He's perfectly justified in wanting more, but more than anything else, wanting to know that the Packers are not preparing the moment he shows the slightest, slightest sign of slippage. Slightest sign of slippage. Try saying that three times yeah. fast. To float him on an iceberg and put Jordan Love in at quarterback. I think that's what this is all about. And that's what it should be about. He's never going to have more leverage over the Packers, Chris, than he has right now coming off of arguably the best season of his career. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand it from Aaron Rodgers, you know, the aspect all the way here. I mean, yeah, of course – yeah, of course he doesn't want to be killed in the, the court of public opinion. I, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens with this restructuring. I am curious to see what exactly is going to be done or if there's going to be more money added to it or if it's simply, like you just said, converting money to guaranteed money and there's really nothing that needs to be done there. Um, but I, I would understand Aaron Rodgers wanting them more security. I would understand him also you know, worrying about the way he's perceived in, in the public. You know, he's done everything right for this football team, always. So I don't think he's going to let them off the hook here. You know, they haven't always done right by him. You know, so I think that he is, you know, protective of his legacy and what it means to the Green Bay Packers fans and all of those type of things. He doesn't want to be perceived as maybe, you know, for lack of a better way, selfish like Brett Favre was a little bit on the way out. I'm not saying Brett Favre was, but... You know what I'm I'm trying to say. It was it was a little bit. It was a little bit like, hey, you guys are gonna wait for me every year and I'll figure out if I'm gonna play and do all that. So yeah, maybe he's going about his business more in a quiet manner. My my other big thing here, Mike, is just, you know, what do the Packers do? What do the Packers commit? How much do they want to commit? How many years do they want to commit? I mean, you drafted a quarterback in the top thirty two picks of the draft in the twenty twenty draft. And I, I mean, what we're gonna we it, it doesn't make sense if we're gonna wait to year four to play him. That's where I'd go. See, that's a wasted pick. We're four years down the road. We got a quarterback. Oh, great. I mean, you're, you're going to pass up 15 other quarterbacks on the way before the time he finally plays. So that's where I'm interested to see where this goes too because I want to see the commitment they're going to make to them because it is going to give us a little bit of an inkling to where they think maybe Jordan Love is or you know, you know, how committed or not are they to Rodgers. I think that's a, a big piece of this puzzle and I, you know we haven't seen Jordan Love pre play preseason football yet we haven't seen anything so I have no idea what they think of him or what he did last year or anything like that and that's why I'm interested in the in this whole deal I'm also very intrigued by the dynamic between Rodgers and the front office and ultimately Mark Murphy who is every bit as smart as Rodgers he wouldn't be running the Green Bay Packers if he wasn't former player an old timer, so he understands how things are done, Pete. And 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 I think Murphy smart enough to know how to push the buttons on Aaron Rodgers to get the desired outcome that he may be looking for. Because at the end of the day, Murphy knows that Rodgers doesn't want to be criticized by anyone really, but especially not by Packers fans. And so What's Rodgers going to do? What's he going to do? Is he going to hold out? Is he going to demand a trade? The most he's going to do is make some passive-aggressive comment that he walks back the moment that someone like me spots it and says, ha-ha, he's got a problem with the Green Bay Packers and he's trying to subtly let them know it. Yeah, he does, but he doesn't want anyone to notice it, and that's when he gets upset. So I think Murphy is smart enough to know how Aaron Rodgers is going to play this game. And at the end of the day, all Murphy has to say is we're not doing that. We're not doing that. You want that? Well, sorry, you signed a contract through 2023. No one put a gun to your head. We've got these rights. This is how it works, yeah. Aaron. You've been around long enough to know. You're smart enough to know. You wouldn't have signed that contract well, if you didn't know that, that this is what you were committing to. We can't do it. I'm sorry. We, 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 we love you and we want you to be here, but we're not going to rip up this contract and, and make a commitment that that uh, undermines the duties that we have to the shareholders of this organization. I, I, I it wouldn't surprise me if Murphy takes a bit of a hard line. With well, him. you know, he he can do. It. He's not going to win this war in the in the, in the court of public opinion against Aaron Rodgers. He's not. It's not going to happen. 
But if no. Rodgers doesn't, if Rogers I know he'll have engage, to confront it a little bit. You're that's right. That's the problem. Right. He can win it if he wants to. Yes. But he doesn't want to. Well, he might have to come to that point if he doesn't feel like he's getting the security or support from the organization to where, you know, he'll have to take the maybe somewhat of the unpopular approach. But I'll be there to get his back like I usually am, right? And I'm going to go. Yeah, me too. And he well, gets mad about it. Well, okay. I know. Well, you know, sometimes you, you call him out too, and I'm sure he doesn't like that. I mean, um, but, you know, I, 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 we'll be there to call. We'll be there to back him up in this case, I think, you know, specifically because he, he has a lot to be. He has a lot in his corner, a lot of evidence that shows like, wait, he's done this and you guys have done not that great in your area. Whether it's, you know, supporting them with players, weapons, everything we've talked about, Super Bowl window, they never go all in. Super Bowl window, we draft your replacement when you're still, like, forget about last year, which was the best year in the NFL by a quarterback. I mean, still, the year before that, they went to the NFC Championship game, and there's no arguing that he was one of the five best quarterbacks in football. Like, there was none of it. You couldn't argue with anybody. I don't think there's anybody in the NFL that would have gone after that 2019 season where they lost. Everybody, oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers still top five quarterback. Oh, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, there's, there's nobody that was going to deny that. So I think if it does get to that, Green Bay better be careful because I think Rodgers is tactically smarter than a Brett Favre and has more – bullets on his side for lack of a better way to say it to use against the organization to where if they want to get in a public tiff Rogers is going to win and and they're going to be in a, in a tough spot yeah I look I agree with you but he has to be willing to take the fight to them and he has been unwilling to do that over the years he likes to do the little drive-by snide comment that isn't obvious to the average person that he's taking a shot and then when someone recognizes he made a drive-by snide comment that wasn't supposed to be recognized he 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 gets he gets upset and that's just kind of the way that it's gone well, I we think support his okay, effort he yeah. deserves more he deserves more than 33 and a half million a year he deserves more security if he wants it and he had always said I want to stay with the Packers into my 40s I want to finish my career here and they're the ones last year who put him through that that rude awakening when they traded up to get Jordan Love. And I can't imagine there's a single Packers fan out there that feels good about the fact that the Packers used their fourth-round pick and their first-round pick last year to get a guy who contributed nothing to the effort right. to try to get to the Super Bowl. Right. And and every you know it's weird. Packers fans get mad when I point that out. It's like, are you in that deep of denial about this that you don't recognize that your team would have been better off. You don't know a damn thing about Jordan Love, and if anything, it's screwing up the relationship in the final days of Aaron Rodgers right. with the Packers. I, I, I'm, and I, I'm not saying they should trade Jordan Love. I don't know what they could get for him at this point, but they need to renew their vows with Aaron Rodgers. They need to do the right thing here, um, unless they, unless they're just manipulating him. And Chris, it may, if they, if just like was it Wes Welker who played better yeah. when he was pissed right. off? I, I, I think that they're trying to keep Aaron Rodgers in that in that 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 thin area of sufficiently pissed off that he's highly effective but not so pissed off that it creates a problem for us. I think they're trying to, to just the right amount of agitation for Aaron Rodgers is what Mark Murphy's trying to pull off and you know what last year it worked. He was the MVP of football. Yeah, I, I mean I hear you. I, I don't think I, I don't think that's it though. I don't I don't think you need to do that to motivate Aaron Rodgers. I think he's got a motivation to be the greatest of all time. He's that kind of guy. So, you know, they're okay, yeah, maybe that is their tactic, but within doing that tactic, they they have hurt their football team. And, you know, again, Green Bay fans, like, I don't know what you want Mike to say there. Like, yeah. You got picks that didn't help out your football team. It's twenty twenty. That that like the day of like we're gonna wait three years for this guy to help our team, that's done. That was nineteen seventy-four thinking. That's it. The team that just won the Super Bowl had a starting right tackle who was drafted in the first round. He was great. Antoine Winfield, safety, made great plays. This the the wide receiver from Minnesota made great plays in the playoffs. I mean, it, so that day of thinking it, it's outdated. And that's where if I'm Rogers, I'm pissed off about all of those type of things. Let alone, like I said, they, you know, we've said they haven't gone all in on him. And, and he's 36. 
right? He's 36. He's going to be 37 this year. You know, in this day now, at 36 and 37, that's really like 31 and 32 25 years ago. It really is with the way guys like Rodgers take care of themselves. Yeah, he's not like Brady totally, but it's not far off for the way he takes care of himself that way. And he's more physically gifted. So I don't think he's going to die out anytime soon. You know, his arm is like one of those we talk about, Mike. He's going to be throwing lasers when he's in a wheelchair at 94. He'll be able to throw lasers still. And his movement, yeah, it's not like it used to be, but it's still really damn good and effective. So, uh, yeah, you could see I still don't understand some of the moves by Green Bay there. By the way, his two-week stint as guest host of Jeopardy is coming up. I can't wait. Soon, I think, like within the next couple of weeks. So we're going to see and hear from Aaron Rodgers plenty, and we'll see whether or not the Packers get this deal done. Frank Reich, the head coach of the Colts, told Albert Breer of SI.com that uh, until they found out Carson Wentz was going to be available – what they were doing was focusing on drafting their future quarterback. And, you know, Ballard himself said last year, late in the season, that you don't just draft a first-round quarterback to draft a first-round quarterback. I mean, they would have to feel good about their options. And because they were a playoff team, they're down in that range where the best are going to be gone unless they're planning some move or would have been planning some move up in the draft. So uh, it's easy to say that now that they have Wentz. I just don't know that they would have definitely gotten someone that they would have felt good about. Right. But uh, they definitely feel good about Wentz. You got Jim Irsay, the owner of the team, all fired up and talking about a golden era of Colts football. They've gone from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck and now Carson Wentz. And Irsay always gets excited about the possibilities. They only got one Super Bowl win over the last 20-plus years, though. And, uh, you know, we'll see if Carson Wentz gets him closer to one starting this year, Chris. Yeah, no, I mean, we'll see. I mean, yeah, I I think Chris Ballard and Frank Reich certainly would have been doing their homework on trying to draft a quarterback, the next guy or whatever it is. But you're right, where they were in the first round, it's going to be tough. They'd probably have to make a move or hope somebody fell to the second round and then maybe they could trade up then, do something like that. But, you know, this this is a guy Frank Reich has firsthand experience with. He loved them coming out of the draft. Of course, he was a big part of them drafting him in Philadelphia, and he got to see the makeup of the guy altogether, let alone he got to see the guy do some special things. You know, again, I know Carson Wentz, it hasn't been perfect. It it has not. He's definitely had some of his own issues, but they have done him no justice in the way they've played or set up their team the last few years either. It didn't really fit Carson Wentz, and it didn't help that it didn't help accentuate you know, his strengths and what he can do as a football player. Uh, I mean, honestly, the way their offense was last year, they were better off with Jalen Hurts at the end of the year. Oh, no receivers. We can't throw it. Let's get a running quarterback, move the pocket, do those type of things. You know, quarterback design runs. You know, that, that honestly fit their team better. But whether you go back to 2019 and that end of the game, end of the season run they had to get in the playoffs on 9-7, and seven, I, you, you have to be crazy to not watch that and think, oh, man, that was special. It was a bunch of no-names and Carson Wentz at quarterback. He carried them into the playoffs. And then, you know, as we've said many times, we've seen him play at an MVP caliber level consistently through what was it, 14 weeks of a year, 13 weeks of a year that year when they went to the Super Bowl? So, you know, that's where I think Frank Reich buys in to, to the Carson Wentz, let alone he knows his system and his players are better than what Wentz had in Philadelphia and fit Wentz better. And I think that's where it has a chance to be special. And that's exactly what Reich told Breer, looking at those games at the end of the 2019 season when the Eagles were 5-7, and seven, they had to win out, and he had no help around him, and he did. Now, I still would want to reconcile that with what happened last year. But as I've said all along, Reich is in a unique position where he can talk to Doug Peterson and find out what happened. He can talk to Carson Wentz and right. find out what happened. And yes, their versions may be distinct. You know, every sitcom that ever makes it past five or six seasons seems to inevitably have one of those episodes where something happened and the first act is one person's version, the second act is the other person's version, and the third act is exactly what happened. It's for Reich to figure out act three of exactly what happened, but he has access to both of the guys who were on either end of whatever triggered that relationship to fall apart in Philadelphia. So Reich's smart enough to 
to understand. He's an old timer, Pete. He's smart enough to figure out what what uh, what went on and how to make it work going forward. <laughs> so, well, wise beyond his years, as Pete would say. That's uh, from page seventy three of the Sims well, book. The other thing too, Mike. I mean, just you know, again, uh, all you got to do is look at the stat sheet from the 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 Eagles last year. That's all. That's the first thing you can do as a basic fan and just go. Wait, who led the team in receptions? And you're, oh wait, who's this guy? What that, that guy did? Oh, oh, Greg Ward. I mean, Greg Ward, Fulgham, Dallas Goddard, who was hurt for you know a period of the year. You know, Jalen Rieger, which was a bad first round pick by the Eagles to this point. I mean, there's nothing there that says, oh man, he really left a lot out of there. And I mean, man, that Eagles offense it should have been top five, but Carson Wentz messed it up. Like bull crap. That offense stunk. I don't know what anyone to say that either. Did Carson once compound it by trying to do too much and to try to, like, he tried too hard to carry the football team, I think, like he did in those last four weeks to go to the playoffs in 2019? Yeah, I do. I think he fell a little bit into the trap of, like, I'm going to make magic happen. I'm going to hold the ball forever. I'm going to smash this ball into here and do a tight window. And it compounded itself. But I don't think it takes away from the talent the guy still has. And, you know, I, I think Frank Reich sees something within the human being, too, that makes him that can make him successful, too. You mentioned T.Y. Hilton earlier as a possible addition to the Packers with cap room they would get from restructuring Aaron Rodgers contract. Sammy Watkins visiting the Colts. Mm -hmm. That's the team that's employed T.Y. Hilton since 2012. Sammy Watkins visited the Ravens yesterday. Would you rather have Watkins or Hilton at this point? I would rather have T.Y. Hilton. I would. T.Y. Hilton has been, you know, available more. Uh, I just, I, I wouldn't trust Sammy Watkins. That, that's the biggest thing. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's played a handful of games over the last four years. So that would scare me to death. You know, T.Y. Hilton still got some tread on the tires. Yeah, he might not be as explosive as he once was, but it's still damn good. Like, when I evaluated T.Y. Hilton at the start of free agency, I still went, man, the guy can still get open. Guy can still run routes. Guy still has enough speed to scare you deep. Watkins, you know, I, it's hard to evaluate Watkins because you don't even know, like, oh, is he playing today in 80%? Is he actually healthy? I don't know. I don't really feel like I saw him healthy the majority of last year. I mean, I feel like the Super Bowl was the last time we saw him healthy. I'd be scared to death to pay Sammy Watkins. I really would. Uh, I would certainly have T.Y. Hilton back uh, if I were the uh, Indianapolis Colts. I agree with you as well. And, and you know, look, I, I feel bad saying that, but it's it's the truth. Uh, yeah. Give me the uh, – hmm. all right. Um, total number of games average per year that Sammy Watkins has played in during his seven-year career, the over-under is 10.5. Oh, I, I, I'm going to say it's under. I mean, I, I got to think it's like he's probably at like eight games a year or something like that, right? Womp, womp, womp. He's at 12.2 games per year. Wow. That's what's a little surprising. There is this narrative that he's never healthy. He played in 10 games last year, 14 the year before, 10, 15, 8, 13, and 16. He had 16 starts as a rookie. But, I know. But it's, it was wear and tear, soft tissue injuries, foot problems. When you're a speedster, those are the things we talked about with Deshaun Jackson yes. recently. Those are the things. A little bit. It doesn't take much to keep you from having that top end speed, and that's been the issue with Sammy Watkins. Yes, Mike, and you know that it's also like he played in ten games last year. Whoop de doo. He wasn't even close to one hundred percent in some of them. So that's where that number is a little skewed, and you can't buy into that to to, to a degree. It's always like, well, Sammy Watkins hasn't practiced. He played this week, you know, but. You know, what, what kind of money can you throw out to a guy that's like that? Yeah, the year before, I th you said 14 games, but there was games that year too, I remember, where it wasn't 100%, and he's out on the field doing that. But I, I don't know how much change you can throw his way. He had 37 receptions for 421 yards last year in the most high-octane offense in football. So, you know, that, that in itself I think says a lot, and I just can't imagine anybody signing him to big money. It it, it uh it's that lure of what he can exactly. do when healthy with the season on the line, inspired by Devontae Adams running by Richard Sherman in the NFC Championship game, running by and using the same technique to run by Sherman in the Super Bowl, making a key catch that contributed to the Super Bowl win. That's what you're paying for, the possibility 
that it's all going to work out that way. All right. Uh, one of the reasons that receivers aren't getting a bunch of money in free agency, there's a great crop yet again of receivers yeah, entering the draft. We'll take a closer look at Chris's receiver rankings for the 2021 draft when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Justin Jefferson, I think, is, uh, you know, one of my favorite players in the draft, really. I mean, he really is. And I just look at Justin Jefferson and I go, what's not to like about the guy? I mean, I I don't really get it. You know, I don't understand why he's not getting more hype. Well, he ended up getting plenty of hype during the season. Justin Jefferson, one of the breakout stars last year for the Minnesota Vikings. So, this year. Chris has gone into the lab. He studied the film with his Ron Jaworski glasses, and he has emerged with this list of his six top receivers, two from LSU, two from Alabama. Impressive group of guys. You were talking about them earlier when I was experiencing technical difficulties right. here, Chris. Just just as we look at that list of six, where do you draw the line between, and there went the list of six, where do you draw the line between the top tier and the second tier of your six guys? I, I think the top three I look at, to me, and I think uh, they're in their own their own class. I like Jalen Waddell a lot. Again, like I tried to ex- describe when we were having the technical difficulties, he's more of a true slot-wide receiver. You know, when you talk about Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Deami Brown, you could say, hey, go line up on the outside all day. Anytime you got one-on-one, we'll probably throw it to you. But, you know, plain and simple. They got the size, the speed, the strength, all of those things to do that. So, to me, the top three are in a little bit of a tier of their own. Waddle is awesome, but it's going to be about, hey, you know, we need a slot guy or we need a guy that can do that type of stuff. His game is more about route running and quick twitch and all that. He's plenty of explosive too. Don't get me wrong, but he's a little bit of a smaller guy. And then the number five on that list, Kadarius Tony, is, is a weapon guy who maybe needs a little more polish as a wide receiver, but has some physical attributes that are really, really special. I think all six of those guys are first-round talents. I do. I could maybe see the LSU guy, Terrace Marshall, falling out of the first round maybe. Um, but even after that, Mike, there's a few, like I say, Hollywood Brown type-ish players that I think are very special too. This kid from North Texas, Tyler Dorden, uh, Dor- I'm going to mess up his name. Tutu Atwell from the Louisville Cardinals, you know, where it's like they're really small guys at 5'9", 170, Mike, but can fly. And I, I also sit there and wonder and go, man, I don't know. I mean, if Hollywood Brown can go in the top 20, why can't they go in the first round? Um, but it's it's a talented group nonetheless. You're higher on De'Ami Brown than most. Yeah. You're lower on Jalen Waddle than most. People are going to look at that and say, what gives? So what gives? Well, you know, I think that the, what I just – you kind of heard me say about Waddle. I, I, again, like his game, but to me it's more slot-oriented. 
I think if you had to live and you were playing a 21 personnel, right, two backs, one tight end, and it's two receivers, and you're playing like the Minnesota Vikings style of football, right, I don't know if I would like Jalen Waddle on the outside against bigger and the best corners in football play after play after play. So that's where I, I, I always favor the guy who's the stud outside receiver. And De'Ami Brown, to me, was the, like, the surprise, right? He was the guy that, you know, I, turned, I went, whoa, why? Like Justin Jefferson last year, I want to go, why is nobody talking about this guy? I mean, all he does is run by people, big plays. It's speed, 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 and speed. I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's like, you know, a, a little bit Odell Beckham Jr.-ish with how he reminds me how he takes off from the line of scrimmage and does that, uh, you know, when Odell was coming out of college. But he's a really good route runner. And for a route runner that's a speed track guy, there's a physicality to his game. There is. He can play through contact down the field, people pushing him, doing all these things. He still catches the ball. 50-50 ball, catches the ball. He's not some, like, you know, soft track guy who goes over the middle and slides to the ground, too, because he doesn't want contact. He lowers his shoulder. De'Ami Brown, to me, was the shocker of everybody. I don't know why I didn't hear more about him. He's a game-breaker. He's a superstar to me. And, like, when I watch him compared to Ruggs and Jerry Judy last year, who won the t- I just go, I-, I would take this guy all day over them. This guy is a top 20 pick, and I would think he'd run 4-3 something, maybe even high 4-2s if he got a chance to run a 40 at the combine this year or something like that. Why Chase over Smith at the very top? It's close. It's really close. I just Chase has still a little room to grow as a pure route runner, but I think there's just nothing negative about Jamar Chase. You know, he can do he, – he, he's got, first off, you know, elite speed, just like we're going to talk about with Deami Brown or like we'll talk about with Devontae Smith. He can run by anybody, you know, and even for not being like the biggest guy in the world, he's just six foot. He plays bigger than that. So he does a great job. And these top three guys where I'd go, you know, we call them 50-50 balls. They're not 50-50 balls with these guys. They're 70-30 balls with these type of guys. Chase is really good that way. And why I put Chase number one to – Outside slot availability, but I think he's the most uh, Chase is the most special with the ball in his hand. When he gets the ball in his hand, he is like a legit running back out in space. Yeah, he can run run by you with pure speed. He can break your ankles in in space and make you look silly. But he also can break tackles and do stuff like that. He has a fearlessness about his game when he gets the ball in his hands. And I think that's why I make him number one. But I don't think the gap is huge between him and then Devontae Smith and De'Ami Brown. I mean, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm in love with De- Devontae Smith. I mean, I did think about, ooh, should I make Devontae Smith one? There, that was a pleasant surprise when I watched his game as well. Smith spoke yesterday about what he hopes to accomplish at his pro day workout, at which he will not be doing any drills. Here he is. Well, I won't. I won't be doing anything at pro day, but just weighing in and things like that. Just letting everybody just get my weight. And what was that weight, Devontae? If I could just follow up quickly. One seventy. So that's it. He's going to walk in. He's going to step on the scale. He's going to drop the mic and he's going to walk off. And hey, I. Yeah, good for him. I have no problem. I have no problem with any of that. The haze in the barn. Go watch my film. I'm not here to that's entertain right. you. I'm not here. Look, if you, if you like me, draft me. If you don't, someone that you play maybe twice per year will. I love that attitude. It's about business. It's about business. It's allowed to be about business for everybody else. Except the players, yeah. because we must be entertained. So I got no problem with that. And I don't care that he's 170 pounds. No, Chris, I don't care as long as long as he can get off the line of scrimmage. And I think when when you're that shifty, when you're that fast, it doesn't matter if you have a guy right in your face. You're going to find a way to get away from him. Uh, agreed. First off, he's setting the bar low. He's not going to weigh 170. He's not. I can just tell by the way he answered that question. I can tell by the way he looks in his sweatshirt right there. Yeah, I'm a professional body watcher, okay? He does not weigh 170. I'm telling you, he probably said that to set the bar low, and he's going to walk in there and wonder why he's not doing the drills either because he probably looks at it and goes, all right, I'm going to make it more about my weight 
and I might be a hair slower than I want to be and do those type of things, I bet you he comes in more than 180. That's what I'm going to throw out there. We'll see if I'm right, and hopefully we can remember to do that. But, like, Mike, you said it right. You know, okay, yeah, there's the concerns about, like, he's 6'1", he's 170 or 175. All right, so let me turn on the film and watch him just get beat up then because he's just a weak, skinny wimp. Oh, that's right. It doesn't ever happen. It doesn't ever happen. You know, so it, it, I'd be worried about it if I saw something to justify that on film, but there's nothing to justify that. In the SEC, where by far has the most pro NFL corners, and, you know, you talk about, like, the quick feet and all of that. Yes, he's incredibly quick at the line of scrimmage, and then his speed is scary. You know, it's like it's like Deami Brown from North Carolina where it's like, they shake you with the line of scrimmage. They do a great job of getting into a jump cut position where like both feet are equal. So now they can go either way. The DB doesn't have a tell. You got a base underneath you. So you can't get pushed off balance with your feet being cockeyed, right? That makes sense. And then they explode up field. And Smith is like, he's, uh, he flies. It's three steps and you better watch out or he's going to run by you. And with that aspect too, that scares people from jamming them all to be uh, to begin with anyways because most DBs, they want to act like they're down there and bump and run, but as soon as they say set hut, they're going, whoa, I got to get back because he might run by me. And, you know, there's nothing in his game that doesn't show physicality. He's a better route runner. He's tougher than I was expected. Man, is he explosive as hell. He can catch the ball and turn up like a sixth sense, like Jamar Chase, uh, Mike, and I know I'm an- talking too long here, but – he catches the ball, and they have like a great feel of where the guys are behind them to where they catch it and turn up all in like one thing. And you go, well, that was a 10-yard completion, but it became a 20-yard completion because he was already running upfield when, when he was in the process of catching the ball and got upfield so quick. So I'm a huge Devontae Smith man, and, and nothing says that his weight's going to be a problem. One of your most impressive skills is to have the self-awareness that you're talking too long Admit it. And still go? And still keep talking. <laughs> That's impressive. Thank uh, you. L- let me say this about Devontae Smith, because yeah. I agree with your take here. What does he need to do at his pro day? Who cares about his drills? Who cares about any of that? All anyone cares about is how much he weighs. So show up, shock the world, walk off. Right. And Chris, wouldn't it be great if our job for a two or a three month period, if all we had to do, somebody came to us and said, what do we need to do to enhance our, our status in whatever, whatever the field is. Oh, you just got to gain about 10 pounds. Hell I'd sign up for that right now. (laughs) I get it done by the end of the week. Are you kidding me? Pizza, milkshake, candy, more milkshake, more pizza, ice cream. I'd get to 10 pounds. I I tell you, I could gain 10 pounds by tomorrow if I had to. Oh, Mike, let me just say that's one of the best parts of being an athlete. Really? And, you know, you, you, I mean, you're right. He First off, if Jamar Chase is going to be the number one receiver and we're going to go, wait, he didn't even play football last year, uh, you're going to dock me because I don't do a workout? You know, then, like, yeah, screw you. Get all, I don't want to be on your team anyway. So what? That's great. He, he did all this stuff on film and dominated what is probably the toughest schedule in the history of college football, that Alabama played an all-SEC schedule. There was no, like, you know, schools of the Northwest, South, Northeastern Dakota State. They didn't play any of those schools, so that was rough. You mean like BYU? Well, yeah, some of those, right. But but but, but here's the other thing I want to just, like, with the, the eating thing, man, Mike, before training camp every year on a personal level, you know, I knew we were going down to Orlando, wild world of sports there. It was going to be 98 degrees and 100% humidity. You don't know. It doesn't matter what you go in weighing. You're going to lose 8 or 10 pounds that first week of football practice. I used to eat everything underneath the sun two weeks leading up to the training camp. My wife would make me toast and jelly in the morning and have half a stick of butter on there, you know, as I <laughs> as she threw the jelly on and I ate a pack of ba- a bacon on top of it. It was the best, and I didn't have to think about it. Uh, Pete, Pete made the comment about Homer Simpson when he had to gain weight to get on disability. You made me think of the the Homer Simpson. I, th- I think it's the moon waffle where he actually makes the waffle – and he puts a stick of butter on a toothpick and wraps the waffle around the <laughs> stick of butter. So, That's great. Uh, yeah. And I haven't eaten yet today. I'm making myself really hungry. Ooh. So we got to wrap up the show so I can go eat. Before we do that, though, we got a couple of breaks to take. After the next break, we're going to do a draft of the best remaining free agents 2021 when PFT Live continues right after this. 
All right, let's get right to it. Best remaining free agents. We've talked too much today, so we don't have a whole lot of time. Chris, you're up first. Best remaining free agents 2021. Well, listen, there's injury concern here, right? We know that. I don't know if this is anything that's going to happen anytime soon, but it's a guy that's 28 years old and still has tremendous upside. Now, it's a weird year. I don't know, but Jadeveon Clowney is still going to be one of the top guys out there for my money. I mean, yeah, it's a position that we know has great importance in the NFL, an edge rusher, an edge defender altogether. He's extremely versatile. Yeah, there's the injury risk and all that. I don't know what he's asking for money-wise. I, I would imagine we're going to be in another one-year deal type of thing, but Clowney just too much of a physical freak to not make him number one, at least for me right now. Or wait like he did last year. Yeah. Remember, there was the Jadavian Clowney derby near the end of the year as teams figured out how best to properly fit him under a salary cap. Although, remember, last year one of the problems was teams couldn't bring him in and kick the tires and take a look. They can this year, uh, given where the pandemic currently is. I'll go Mitchell Schwartz, cut by the Chiefs. Multiple-time All-Pro, not just Pro Bowler, but All-Pro. Salary cap move. He's out there. He's available. Bring him in. Check him out if he's healthy. He's a guy that you need on your offensive line, period. I'm still surprised that the Chiefs moved on from him. I, I am too. You know, it's one of those where it just it makes you wonder how serious is the back? What is what is the absolute, you know, issue there? Uh, that's, I, I thought about taking him number one too. I just, I got a little scared, I guess, with, with that aspect of, of it all. Um, I'm going to throw out Melvin Ingram, another edge defender, you know, again, I don't. I think his days of being a superstar, yeah, they're they're over. I understand that, but and I know he was hurt a little last year too. Uh, but again, I think like Clowney, it's just it it's too much of a physical freak, and there's too much good that I've seen on film over the last few years for I me mean, just to give up on a guy like that. Now, again, it might have to be about the market correcting itself and that kind of thing. But I think for somebody who signs up Melvin Ingram, I mean, defense and outside linebacker can do everything, you know, takes on the run, can rush the passer. Uh, for me, he's one of the guys I got to take here. He's still a damn good player. I'm going to stay with the offensive line, and I'm surprised Alejandro Villanueva remains unclaimed yeah. by anyone. Mm -hmm. A guy who, who has a great leadership background from his time in the military and and rose up gradually and consistently to become a key contributor on the Steelers' offensive line. There was a time not that long ago where the Steelers' offensive line was horrible, that it became very good, and Villanueva was one of the main reasons for it. I'm surprised a week in he's still available when we consider the importance of, you know, we can look at the Super Bowl and say pass rush is so critical. We can also look and say blocking is pretty critical too because the Chiefs were completely overmatched that day so uh surprising that Villanueva is still available I thought the Broncos would find a spot for him somewhere because Mike Munchak the former offensive line coach in Pittsburgh is now in Denver yeah no I, I hear you uh I mean it is surprising that nobody has gobbled him up yet uh, you know again the thing that was concerning just watching him and evaluate him a little bit you know there there is a little slippage in play you know it's just there was a few too many times where you see him get pushed back into the quarterback's face you know, he's such a tall guy. He has a hard time getting low and driving people out in the run game a little bit. Maybe those are the concerns, let alone the age. And, you know, again, I think a lot of these, like, veteran guys who have played He's an old-timer. 32. Know, that I know. is old. That, 32. I know. That's what's crazy in the that NFL. I mean, that's what's crazy. But I think a lot of these old-timers and these guys, though, are – you know, they're going to sit back and kind of just get a feel for the market and where can I go and where's my needed and all of those type of things. Um, I'm going to go with T.Y. Hilton here next. I mean, I don't think there's a better receiver on the market as we sit here right now. You know, last year he wasn't 100%. He played in, you know, I think he played in 15 games, but I don't think he was totally 100% and a good amount of them, but still has like ability to where I go, Ooh, I'd, I'd want him on my team. I'd want him as one of my three receivers right now. It still can win on the outside, could play the slot, you know, has explosive ability still to make big plays down the field too. So uh, I'll go with T.Y. Hilton as my third pick. I'll go Carlos Dunlap with my last yeah. one. Uh, you know, he was cut in a cap move by the Seahawks. He's out there. I know there's a lot of pass rushers that have been signed. Well, there's some that haven't been. You yeah. mentioned Clowney earlier. I think Dunlap, another guy that, teams have to take seriously part of the dynamics at this point may simply be when you call the agent and you ask what the player's looking for the team just says okay see ya 
they're waiting for the expectations to go to low. drop. Right. And the passage of time will eventually cause guys I think to so. take less. And and you know, this was something Shereen Williams suggested before free agency started. Will there be guys who just either wait until September or just say, I'll wait till next year? I, 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 I think there's a real risk, though, in taking a year off. The game moves on without Definitely. you. And it's not like you're going to find more money next year. Unless you're a superstar, you're not going to find more money next year if you consciously sit out this year simply because the cap's down. Agreed. Uh, agreed. I, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. You might be able to get away with that as a college kid, like we saw Jamar Chase and some of those guys, because they're still like physically going in the upward direction. It's no big deal. But once you've gone like through five or six years in the NFL, you're going in the other direction. And now you only have a certain amount of years left in your playing career. So to sit out does not make sense. But, yeah, I think you make a good point. Hey, I added Kareem Jackson, you know, the ca casualty from the Broncos. I maybe should have picked him. Olivier Vernon, another edge guy who's real good. And I even think Malcolm Butler and Dominican Sue. There's some guys out there that still can help a lot of football teams. A.J. Bouye still floating around. Yeah, that's right. Uh did you mention KJ Wright? KJ Wright, not. Seahawks, he's still out there linebacker. Too. He's right. available too. So, still plenty of great guys. More than a week since the market opened, and there'll be plenty of activity. There's been a few moves today, just as the show's been on. We'll take a break and wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Another day, another big money contract for the New York Giants, where we wonder who were they bidding against? Dory Jackson, three years, $39 million. They flew in Logan Ryan to help get the deal done. Logan Ryan, a former teammate of Jackson's with the Tennessee Titans, and now the former Titans first-round pick. Dory Jackson, a member of the New York Giants. He's missed 18 of 32 games in the last two seasons. At $13 million, he ties Stephon Gilmore, Chris, for 12th among all cornerbacks no i mean listen it's 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 a big position of need for the new york giants it's a little like kenny galladay i think where i know the initial reaction a little bit is like wait did we overpay for this guy um all of those type of things but odori jackson still is a pretty damn good man-to-man -man corner he is just hitting the prime of his career. Yeah, he's dealt with some injuries, but I don't think they're the kind of injuries you look at and you go like, oh, man, he's ruined forever. I know he did have some knee issues, but this is like I think when you look at the New York Giants football team was probably their greatest positional need. They need more help in the secondary altogether, and I think it's a player they like and valued, and that's why they maybe overpaid him a little bit. Over $100 million in total contract value paid out to two guys who between them played in eight games last Risky. year right that is a calculated risk and again as i always say these guys are available for a reason they're available because their prior teams did not prioritize keeping them so buyer beware chris and we'll see if it helps the yeah. giants thanks for some of your time today we'll see everybody on see Wednesday. ya Have a great see day. ya old timer The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.